Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by returning guest and author Danielle Trisoni to talk about her latest novel, The Puzzle Master. So welcome back. Thank you, Stephanie. It's great to be here again. It's been a few years. <laughs> a few years. So yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about The Puzzle Master. So The Puzzle Master, uh, once again, sort of incorporates my interest in multiple genres. There's definitely a horror element to the book, but it's primarily, um, I think that the main sort of genre is probably thriller. I don't know. What do you, what did you think when you read it? Did it feel like a yeah. thriller to you? Really like, yeah, global thriller, like... I don't know yeah, if like conspiracy kinda, is the right word, but like kind of. Yeah, there's a little bit of that yeah. conspiracy, like dark, lingering, yeah. you know, feelings through in every chapter. Um, but so, you know, the basic story is that there's this ingenious puzzle solver named Mike Brink, and he's called to a prison upstate where a woman has has drawn a mysterious sigil or puzzle or this sort of like esoteric um, design that nobody can figure out. And her psychiatrist believes that this design, if it's unlocked, will give them some clue into her psyche because she's not opening up and telling anyone what happened to her. And so he comes up state from New York city. And, you know, just to give you a picture of, of this guy, this character, his mind works in a way that if he sees a a sort of cryptic message or a puzzle, it just it just like latches onto it and he solves it almost unconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just that kind of brain. Um, and he meets her, but he can't solve this puzzle. Like he sees it and he's never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And then he meets this woman and there's this mysterious electricity between them that he can't explain. And suddenly he starts dreaming about her and he's pulled into her story. And this puzzle brings him into crazy places that I'm not going to really tell people about here because I'd like them to discover them, them, you know, those places themselves. But um, yeah, he, he goes into places that he would never imagine some scary places. It definitely, yeah. It moved so fast from like place to place to place. You're like, wow, like we are getting taken on a journey. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I love to do. I did it less so in my last book, The Ancestor. That was, you know, it it pretty much was set in one location, which was up in the Alps. Um, This one, I wanted it to feel fast. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to feel like there were, the reader was just on a roller coaster yeah. going from place to place. But at the same time, I, you know, because it's one of my books, I wanted there there to be this kind of level of melancholy, spooky, mm-hmm. gothic yeah. um, uh, ambiance to it too. So hopefully those two things go together um, in a way that's unusual and unique. Oh, definitely. I wanted to ask, are you a big puzzle person? So I love um, I love puzzles. I love certain puzzles. Yeah. I'm someone that if it's too hard, if it really like takes me a long time, I get frustrated and, and stop. <laughs> me <laughs> to too. be totally honest. I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Um, <laughs> but you know, I do Wordle every day. Um, and mm. I do crosswords yeah. and I love jigsaw puzzles when, you know, when my brain is sort of overloaded and I don't want to think about anything, I'll, I'll go do a jigsaw puzzle. Um, but, you know, what really fascinated me about puzzles um, narratively is how much they are like a novel. You know, the idea that you begin with a, this kind of um, 
unclear picture of events, right? And that putting, you know, the picture together piece by piece, like a puzzle, feels very much to me like what it feels like to read a good book. Um, And so combining those two things, like was when I first came up with the idea when when it just when it struck me to have a puzzle constructor as the main character of this book I was like that's that's kind of amazing from a writer's point of view to be able to externalize right that process with a character so that's what was fun about it narratively oh my gosh I can definitely see that as a comparison and then yeah when it's done you step back and you see like oh this piece was actually this all along and now that looking back that makes so much sense Right. And I think that that's what's fun for readers. I mean, I think that that's what's fun for puzzle people too, right? Like they like, you know, seeing that what was very confusing and unsolvable and, and mysterious suddenly makes sense. And it gives us some sense of control over the world. Yeah. I feel like that with like crosswords, like there's like one you're just not getting then you solve like another thing and you're like, obviously. obviously Oh, wait, like how did I not know that? Right. (laughs) You just need some vowels. And I know you're a big research is a big part of your writing process. And I know you spoke to a pretty highly acclaimed puzzle master. Right. So um, after I had a draft of the book and I knew that there was going to be a puzzle savant in the book, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, this is way over my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not that level of puzzle yeah. solver. I need some help here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I managed through a friend to get an introduction to Will Shorts, who is the editor of the New York Times games page and the puzzle master, right? He's, um, he has a show on NPR called the puzzle master, um, I think, or maybe it's NPR puzzles or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he very generously invited me to his home and took me through his puzzle library and sort of walked me through what it was like to be him. Um, So that was so cool. What was in his library? Amazing stuff. Like you walk into his house and there's a glass case mm-hmm. full of like antique puzzles, like with the first crossword, for example, wow. like things like that. And then you, he took me upstairs and then he has this big library where it's just like chaos, like <laughs> puzzle books and puzzles and this and that. And um, it was so fun and it's so inspirational. And, and he and I are actually, I have never, um, you know, I haven't ever had like an official conversation with him, but we're having a, a conversation um, on the 17th of June in Beacon, New York, if anyone is in that area and they want to come see it. Oh, for the book? For the book. Yeah, he's oh, actually cool. going to come and like do have a conversation about puzzles and about fiction and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Did he give you any tips on like crosswords or puzzle solving in general? <laughs> No, I, I say that because I'm traveling yeah. and I always buy like a big giant book of puzzles and I get frustrated with like half of them. So. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I, I, I would need so much help yeah. <laughs> that I think, you know, he's used to dealing with genius, you know, puzzle yeah. geniuses. And in fact, the book, um, you know, my book uh, has puzzles in it and mm-hmm. he's the person that recommended the two puzzle constructors who helped me make them because oh, I, wow. you know, while I did some of the word puzzles myself, um, you know, because I have a mind that works that way with uh, language, the number puzzles and the more complicated word puzzles were not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually uh, worked with two people and they helped me fit it into the book, fit those puzzles into the book. And then the the God puzzle in the book you said is also based loosely on a, on a real thing. 
so I love, this is my, probably my favorite element of the book, um, or that, that storyline, right? Like the, mm-hmm. where that goes in Prague and, and then to Jess Price's experience in that house. Um, so the God puzzle is, is that puzzle that the puzzle constructor has brought up state to solve, right? It's this sort of ancient looking sigil, esoteric occult sort of thingy that he's up against. And um, it was inspired by the prayer circles of a 13th century Jewish mystic named um, Abulafia. And people who like um, that kind of fiction, who have read like Umberto Eco, for example, I think Abu Lafi has mentioned in some of his books. I mean, he's sort of a figure, like an occult figure um, who was really pivotal in in the history of mysticism in general. But if you go to the British library, they have this amazing interactive um, collection of Abu Lafi's prayer circles or these circles, these mystical Kabbalistic circles. And I started paging through this online and I was like, this is totally incredible. I really want to figure out a way to write about this. Um, and so that puzzle was the, the circular occult puzzle in the book is, was inspired by that. And then I had a, an artist actually make a rendition, right? So it's not Abulafia's puzzles. It's, you know, inspired by, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, it looks quite similar. Wow. It's very interesting. And then going back to research, I know you like to travel a lot and include that in your books. And I know for like a flashback sequence in this, we go to the Jewish quarter in Prague. And I wanted to ask, like, I guess, which came first? Like, did you go there and kind of have the seed of an idea? Or did you go there kind of already with this idea in mind? Such a good question. Um, So I went there years ago. And so the seed I've been waiting for a moment to come when I could write about that place. Um, I love Prague and uh, it's just so beautiful. And that, that quarter in particular is really fascinating. Um, and so uh, I didn't go back before I wrote it. I, you know, sort of drew from memory and did a lot of research and reading online um, as well. But yes, so um, 19th century Prague there's uh, an episode in the book that happens that sort of explains Mm -hmm. the origin of this puzzle, um, the God puzzle that we were talking about before, like where that came from and why it has the sort of powers it has um, in the book. Yeah, that was so interesting, like where that went. And I know we were talking earlier, but um, my husband and I went, we did like Germany and Prague a few years ago. And you're right. It's beautiful there. And actually we stopped by a restaurant there and it was a Gollum themed restaurant. <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. So very good. We were talking about it last night. We're like, actually that food was really good. I had like a beef goulash and it was delicious. Oh my God. I ha- I've had the best food almost ever in Prague and I, the goulash and yeah, the beer and all of it. It's just so good. I know you said you kind of put your like gothic spin on this. And I think we see that in like the Jess Price parts of the story. And so I do have to ask, do you like me find dolls to be unsettling? (laughs) Oh my God. This is like, we could do two hours of just this. I feel like so haunted dolls and porcelain dolls and golems and, um, you know, AI, which kind of, 
feeds a little bit yeah. in my mind into that whole idea of a body with a spirit that comes from elsewhere <laughs> that animates it. Um, all of that is deeply fascinating to me. And for years and years, I wondered why. I think, you know, there is something, and maybe it's with women too, like it has this sort of weird, mm -hmm. almost creepy um, overtone of motherhood or of like the, the dark side of, of mothering, right? Like there's okay. all of those elements in it um, that I find have always left me feeling as like you said, like kind of like, ooh, prickly, like there's something going up my spine when I think of them. And then, so, but I always wondered why. And, re, you know, I wrote this book. There is, a, there is a doll, a porcelain doll that's at the center of it that was in 19th century Prague. And then we find it in the contemporary story. Um, and I always wondered, like, after I wrote that, like, where is this coming from? And my mother reminded me that my great-grandmother had left her and that she had given me a porcelain doll from the early 20th century. And now my mom is giving it to me. So I, I, I have photographs of this doll, which I'll send you. And it was clearly like sitting in the back of my memory and in my subconscious when I wrote this book. Um, but yeah, I, I have a fascination with them. And I think that they speak to a lot of anxieties that we have um, yeah. as women. But I think, you know, I think all people, everybody's kind of freaked out by creepy dolls there's just something yeah like the uncanny valley of them so this doll's not in your house now but it will it's be not in my house soon. now right I'm in Mexico so um my mom has it at her house and she's like you know I'm gonna give this one to you I'm gonna give this to you I've been carrying it around like her great-grandmother gave it to her so oh, wow yeah multiple generations now. multiple generations uh yeah there's that's something that um that I wanted to write about. And I wanted to find a, a way to write about it where it wasn't the entire story. Um, I think, what, so I started this book with that doll, right? And uh -huh. the other elements of the book sort of radiated from it, like nesting stories. Um, but when I wrote the Jess Price section of the book, which I thought was gonna, going to be a standalone book at first, I realized that it needed more, right? Um, for me, anyway, I wanted to have some sort of larger look at that situation. Um, but I'm glad I was able to, you know, to incorporate it into this book. I don't know if I would be able to write a whole novel just about a haunted doll. I know some people have and they're very good. And, you know, I've in my in the New York Times book column, um, I've reviewed a few of them. Right. I think, uh, you know, Rachel Harrison had a collection Mm -hmm. called Bad Dolls. That was really great. Yeah. Um, Stephen Graham Jones had a, had a book called Mannequin, has a book called Mannequins. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, so it's definitely like a theme in horror fiction that I find really interesting and fast you know, and, and very feminine too, right? Like yeah. there's some elements of horror that are just more female feeling and that's one of them. Um, but yeah, I definitely felt that gothic spooky vibes in those chapters um, yeah those are some of my favorite <laughs> so yeah we talked about uh mike brink having this condition where he can like unconsciously solve these puzzles and it's a was it a acquired savant syndrome and you looked into that has it ever manifested in this like puzzle way when you looked into it that's such an interesting question so for people who don't know what that is um Acquired savant syndrome is an actual medical condition 
that very it's very rare. I think maybe 50 to 70 people in the world have been diagnosed with this, but it's when someone has a traumatic brain injury and it damages the left hemisphere of the brain and suddenly they have sort of different skills than yeah. what they had before. You know, some people that I've read accounts where some people have this sort of miraculous um, ability to play music that they didn't have before. Other people can suddenly speak languages that they didn't know before. Um, there's one story of a guy who was brought up in a helicopter and was asked to look at London and then draw what he saw. And they brought him down and he drew the, the city like down to the alleyway precisely perfectly oh from one word. look in a helicopter. I know it's just totally incredible. Um, and so Mike Brink, um, this character, it meant, he had an accident. This happened to him. It was very scary um, for him to realize suddenly that he had this, these different abilities and what his art is they're based in patterns, mm-hmm. puzzles, um, uh, like he has synesthesia, so he sees colors and, and, you know, over numbers and it creates a texture that allows him to do things like memorize pie places into the tens of thousands and, and things like that. These, these sort of incredible gifts. Um, I have not read of anyone having that particular like puzzle form of, of um, savant syndrome. I wonder if it's out there. I should I should look. I bet if I could, you know, if I did some searching and and read some literature about it, I would find someone who has a similar mm-hmm. thing. You know, I have read there's a a savant in Japan who I think holds the the highest number of pie places, like something like 105,000 pie places oh, he can recount God. from memory. And that's a kind of savantism. It, you know, it's different because it's not acquired. What was yeah. really cool for me writing this character is that he was just a normal person. And then he, his, you know, he had an accident and he was different. And, and the emotional struggle of that, like dealing with that kind of genius and dealing with that kind of ability and meanwhile, trying to function in the real world was really interesting to me. Yeah. So I, I find him a very rich character and I'll probably continue to write about him. I'm actually writing another okay. book right now about him. That was my next question. And I was ah. like, maybe I'm going too much into the kind of like Da Vinci Code comparison of it all. But Mike <laughs> Brink is such an interesting character. Like, will we see him again? I love him so much that I wanted to write. An, it's the first time it's happened that I've loved him, you know, a character so much that I wanted to write another book about that character. So yeah, I'm writing a second one right now that is called The Puzzle Box, and okay. it's in it's in Japan. Um, and oh. it's yeah, yeah, it's set in Japan, and I just went to Japan actually in um, April to do the research for it. So it's coming. I think it's coming next year. I think we're gonna be able to be, publish it next year. Oh, wow. That's exciting. I'm excited. It's, um, you know, it's one of those things, I think, as an artist or a writer that, for me, one of the biggest struggles was finding the next book, right? Mm-hmm. And like having many ideas and not knowing which one will work out. And often, you know, I've written like, <clears throat> excuse me, like 100 pages or 150 pages of a book. And it's like, no, this isn't working. I don't like these characters. And the situation isn't right for me. And that's really heartbreaking. So knowing that I like this character is a huge thing for me. Is this one also going to have like supernatural touches? You don't have to say if you're not. Yeah, it will. No, I'm sure. Um, Okay. I think my signature, you know, sort of my signature 
as a writer is um, having just my editor um, described it as an effervescence of the supernatural, right? Like you go in and they're real people and we're in the real world. Mm-hmm. And like, we don't have people, you know, sort of flying around and using superpowers to blow up buildings and stuff. You know, it's not, or, you know, there's not ghosts or that sort of thing in my books. Um, it's real people in the real world, but underlying it, there's a kind of bubbling up of another world or another, another power. Right. And, and, um, I just go back to that. Um, even if I don't want to do it because not everybody loves that. Right. Um, but I think that that's sort of my signature. I love that. Oh, I'm glad I like it too. And when I find it well, you know, and it's well done, um, in a novel, uh, I'm really impressed and, 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 you know, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. A lot of your stories do focus on like religion, mysticism, the occult in some way. So is that something you purposefully keep revisiting? So it was very unconscious. (laughs) Um, And with this book, I sort of really excavated that because I was like, why do I keep coming back to religion, right? Or to mysticism or, or as you said, the occult. And I, as a kid, Um, Not a lot of people know this about me, but I was in Catholic school from a very young age and was in church six days a week. And, you know, I would sort of fantasize about the supernatural stuff, like the angels and the water turning into wine and people rising from the dead. And like all of that was really fascinating to me. And it it sort of fueled my imagination. And then when I was in fifth grade, um, there was a school shooting at the church. And oh my goodness! I know three people were killed: the the priest, a lay minister, and a janitor. Um, and that violence, I think, overlaid itself in my mind and in like emotionally in in my life. I stopped going to Catholic school at that point, right? My parents pulled me out and went to it, and like that was sort of the end of my religious education. And so I think those things. over time have kind of macerated and come together because the books that I write tend to be, you know, there's a sort of urgency and violence and darkness around religion. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that must be where that comes from. Maybe. So how old were you when that happened? I was in fifth grade. That was, yeah, 1985. So I was 12. It's definitely old enough for that to become a, a traumatic core memory. It is. And, you know, I think for a long time, I just sort of didn't think about it. Um, But that's the really uh, amazing thing about writing is that all of these layers of ourselves are there. You know, like the doll, this is a memory of some, you know, this doll is that my great grandmother left is one. Then the religious elements, the violence, the conspiracy, you know, all of these things come from someplace. So, um, you know, as a writer, it's always fascinating for me to see what comes out, <laughs> you know, like, oh, wait, I guess that's part of me too. <laughs> it's interesting to, yeah, like look back and see like what part of yourself, like you, what part of yourself you don't even notice or like externalize. You're like, oh, where did that come from? Right. Completely. So you mentioned before you are like the New York Times, like horror book person. So I know you do like a big column of like stuff you're excited about. Do you have any any books you're excited about coming out soon? 
So I have a column that's going to be published, I think, in a couple weeks. And I have two books. I don't hope that this is not, I don't know if I'm not supposed to say it or not, but Eric, <laughs> La Eric LaRocca, mm -hmm. um, I, he has two books that have come out recently that I really love, um, a collection of short stories and a novel. Um, and who else do I have in that column? Let me think. Um, oh, Cynthia Palayo. Mm -hmm. whose work I've reviewed her work in the past and I really enjoy I think she's really talented um you know this book is set in Chicago and yeah. it's kind of a have you read it I read um the children of Chicago I have right. this one like on hold at the library it's the right. shoemaker's yeah. magician yeah the shoemaker's yeah, magician exactly um and it's really good and so, yeah, the, I, those are the, you know, the three books that I have recently put in a column that I think are, are great. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. One tradition we have on this podcast is to ask our guests for a chilling obsession or like what's something in horror they've been enjoying lately. So my chilling obsession, we've already sort of talked about it, is, um, you know, haunted dolls and uh, AI, like AI is really yeah. something that's been on my mind, um, lately. A lot of people's seen yeah. a lot of stuff pop up recently. Right. So, you know, the Bloomhouse, um, movie, Megan, do you mm -hmm. know this? Like that is something that I watched and was just like, ah, <laughs> love <laughs> okay, it. I guess that, I guess that is a blending of those two things. Right. It's a blending of a bunch of like things that I'm personally obsessed with and all of them freak me out. Like I'll be up at three in the morning thinking about AI and, you know, then combined with the book I just wrote like that. And then the, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, all of the, all of the haunted doll movies, right. That from the past, like, I just love them all. I remember when I started telling my agent about the book, I just wrote the puzzle master, I told her about this section with a doll and she's like, honey, that sounds like Chucky. <laughs> and it's not right. Like it's not, you've read it. It doesn't feel like Chucky, but I let, I feel like there's this, I, I, there's something really like chilling and scary about the violence of like, ch like strange, violent children yeah. that are not quite real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so just like not quite right about them. No. It reminded me of the the Dalvialan. It reminded me of like Claudia from Interview with the Vampire. Like I got mm. a lot of those vibes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You got that in with Megan? Um, a little bit and in the book with the with the doll. Right. That's so interesting because I love that character. <laughs> I mean, it's such a strange inversion of vampirism that a child would be stuck. Yeah right and not yeah. developing um and then if you read about where that came from in Anne yeah. Rice's life right like I was gonna say that was Anne Rice working through some some right. tough feelings and it turned out to be so true in some ways mm -hmm. right like chilling yeah. and true and and um very very much something that speaks I think to women right I don't know I just have this you know there's something about that also I think from the point of view of a woman like there's a point in childhood where we kind of lose part of ourselves, right like we be, we leave that child that little girl and mm -hmm. we become a woman and it's gone you know that innocence and and that point is of our lives is gone forever so yeah 
Yeah, there's so much there. As I said, I feel like we could have a whole podcast yeah. <laughs> just about this subject. <laughs> oh, we definitely could. So the second tradition we have on this podcast is to ask our guests for a final girl song. So it's a horror movie. You're the last one standing. What's playing? Okay. So this is me walking away. A building is burning, right? I'm walking into this dark sort of gothic city and Aphex Twins, April 14th is playing. Do you know the song? It's just very like, yeah, we should play it. Like if you could play it, it's, it's haunting. It's, it's not, it's very soft. It's kind of music boxy sounding. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I'm, I, that's my final girl song. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm definitely adding that to the playlist and hopefully it'll let me post it on Instagram. Instagram is weird sometimes about like music I can find on there. Okay. For some reason. There's a couple of versions of that. So okay. I think you'll, you know, not just Aphex Twin, but other people have covered it. It's okay. a pretty beloved song. So hopefully you can find it. Okay. Then most likely. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking oh my God, to me thank about you. the Puzzle Master. It's been such a pleasure. I loved coming back and I hope to talk to you again with the Puzzle Box oh next gosh. year. Definitely. We'll make okay. it happen. All right. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at BooksFreezerPod, on Instagram and TikTok at Books in the Freezer, or you can send us an email at BooksInTheFreezer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to leave a review on a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also check out the show notes for this episode, and that will have links to various affiliate links, as well as the Patreon for the podcast where you can show your support. There's a one, three, and a $5 level with different things at each level. You can find show notes for this episode and all previous episodes at booksinthefreezer.com. That's it for this week. Uh, My voice is rough right now, so just going to sign off. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Instagram at that's what she read. That's that's with two A's or Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And see you next time on books in the freezer. Yeah.